How do you get your company's story right? How can you transform it from something that reads rather dully on the page to something that ultimately can excite an audience, can retain existing customers, and really differentiate you amongst a market of competitors? So that's what we're going to be speaking about today. And I'm really glad that you've joined us on The Humble Pie. So first off, thanks so much for joining me, lending me your ears for the next couple minutes as we speak about something that I love to spend a lot of time on uh, when it comes to the work that I do, working with clients, individuals, startups, founders, and so on, when they want to try and realize or change or realign a story they tell about themselves, about what they do, and ultimately how they achieve excellence, how they provide value in their customer's world. Now, when I speak about a story um, and getting that story right, I don't mean that in an Alice in Wonderland sense. I don't mean that in a sort of a fantastical sort of blow you away with all of the the bells and whistles and, uh, you know, hear all the interesting plot contrivances and so on. I really mean that in terms of your positioning. So what does that mean? So really get your story and your positioning as an individual, perhaps you're a solopreneur practicing you know, what you do in the market, perhaps you're a small organization starting up and trying to make waves in what you do, or perhaps you're uh, you know, an established uh, company with you know, a track record um, for many years. Really, your store and your positioning is how and what you talk about what you do. That's it. It's it's not a you know it's not a sort of a complicated exercise. It's not something that requires a hell of a lot of elaboration. In fact, as we see as we go through the seven steps of how to get this right, you'll see that keeping it simple, keeping it bang on, and keeping it really focused on how you make a difference in the everyday lives of your audience is really about you know making it count. And and, and that's really you know in my view how companies who succeed at doing this, this is how they do it. Because once you get your story right, it really is the foundation of true branding. It's the real foundation of how companies are able to talk confidently and speak, uh, you know, from the position of some credibility within the market about what they do and how they do that. It's ultimately going to also be your cultural capital. It's what helps you to build a rapport with audiences and relationships with people that possibly you might not have <laughs> have even met yet. So this is this is really what it does and this is the importance. It's really important to kind of just outline why this has value. It's not some um, you know sort of fluffy marketing exercise. Um, it's really about connecting your audience to their objectives and how you are in that in that middle position, how you fill that, you know, that being the stopgap. The, the, the value that you provide. So let's go through the seven steps. The seven steps are also available um, on my site, alexhill.com uh, slash resources. You can download it there for free. Feel free to join the community as well. Um, I love to, to get involved with entrepreneurs and founders and uh, leaders of organizations who are really trying to get this kind of uh, exercise right for themselves and what they do. So you'll, you'll find a whole lot of useful resources uh, in the community if you join and sign up on alexhill.com. All right, so the first step to getting your story right. 
is n- number one is keep it short. Keep it short. So no one ever went broke. <laughs> Nobody ever made a mistake by keeping their messaging simple and clear. And the way that you keep things simple and clear and relevant, even more important, is by keeping it short. Something that doesn't need to waffle on. It's really sort of a challenge in a way. You know, how how brief can you keep the basic description of what you do or, you know, the positioning of what you do? Can you do it in 20 seconds or less? Can you potentially do it in 30 seconds? Maybe you can even... Um, you know, get it to the point where you can deliver it in 10 or 15 seconds. And it's not about getting it to the point where it's a, a kind of a, you know, a comfortable packaged little elevator pitch. I think we're, we're kind of beyond that in this day and age. But you have to understand two things. Firstly, we are living in an age where whatever you do has got to stop the scroll. So the endless kind of, you know, scrolling on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook, wherever you are, you know, that thumb is going at record speed in order to kind of, you know, process information and get audiences, you know, through their daily feed of all of the different, you know, accounts that they follow. And in order for you to stop that thumb from, you know, being on autopilot for them to read a little bit more, even if it's just a couple more sentences, you've got to be able to keep it short. You've got to have something that is that is uh, packaged, if you like, or synthesized to the point where it's going to provide enough value and information right on the outset, but enough also to, to keep them engaged. And the way that you do that is by keeping it relevant and clear and simple. And you do that by keeping it short. So the second bit of this is to also realize that if what you do truly does bring value, if it um, you know, is valuable in the lives of your audience, perhaps even in the lives of you know, your, your partners and, and possibly even your staff, the people that you ultimately help, that value should be relatively easy to express. So it doesn't matter if you work in a complicated environment, if perhaps what you do is quite technical or complex or perhaps very niche. The point is that you know what you do and the value you provide are often two different things, and we'll we'll kind of come back in and out of that, um, you know, during during the session today. But um, you know what you do and the value you provide should be fundamentally, at its core, easy to express. Do you empower other people to do X? Do you allow a company to have greater visibility over X? Yes, they do. Great, that's what you do. And that should always be the starting point for how you begin your story, how you tell your story to the kinds of people who ultimately are going to be within your audience and hopefully, um, you know, the kinds of people that are going to buy from you. So stop the scroll, keep it short, stand out by being brief and bold and brilliant and just keep it simple, keep it short. So number two of the seven steps to getting your story right is to involve the sense of other people. So social proof here, social value is always going to be key. Why is that? So if you're able to demonstrate how what you do and your knowledge or the value that you provide can directly benefit others in your audience who are like them, that is really at least 50% of the battle won right there. Because when you are able to talk about others who are like your audience, who are like the kinds of buyers or users who are going to be attracted to your message and what you do, there's always going to be an element of, well, what has it been like for others like me? 
I want to read up about, you know, what this company has done in the past for other people like me who maybe have had certain challenges that are quite similar to what I'm facing right now. And the way to do that is to really, you know, really be kind of full frontal, uh, you know, have that exposure for the social proof that you have. So when I say social proof, I mean testimonials, case studies, you know, uh, positive client feedback when it comes to what you've done in the past. Make that visible. You know, don't keep it a secret. Don't keep it to yourself. Um, you also have got to realize that your audience is, is often made up of different levels, different tiers. They're made up of different people. And your users and the buyers and the people you talk to, the different champions, if you like, especially if you're speaking it, you know, to um, a company with a couple different touch points where you're speaking to different people, they don't always have the same incentives and they're going to want to see that you've helped others like them with that particular um, you know, situation or that particular challenge that you've had. And the way you do that is by having the story being told from the horse's mouth, not only from you, but from others who've directly benefited from what you do. So always make sure that in your story, somehow, somewhere, you've got a good amount of social proof, social value. What is it like for others to have worked with you in the past? And how is it relevant to the person who might be reading an article of yours or watching a video or going through a customer journey online? How is it relevant for them based on that positive experience that others like them have had before? So that's, that's, a, that's a really big one. And um, I think that often on balance is something that companies... Um, you know, more often than not, are able to to kind of get right for themselves. However, the next step, number three, is something that I see a lot of people really struggle with. It's not something that they always can get right. And that's because number three is about making it easy. So that's the third step here today out of the seven steps is, you know, how can we remove friction? How can we make it easy for a decision maker in this case to be able to make a decision? How can we make the journey that they've got to walk through in order to educate themselves, be attracted to perhaps a solution, um, you know, have their need diagnosed in a certain way where they feel like, you know, this is actually a fit, this is speaking to me, and this is what I ultimately need to consider buying or getting or being part, being a part of. And how can that process be as intuitive and simple and kind of straightforward and hopefully as brief as possible. And the way we do that, I mean, we've seen that across multiple industries with Amazon definitely leading the charge when it comes to online retail, is that one-click ordering. You know, you can literally order something in one click. <laughs> now, I'm not saying you have to become Jeff Bezos overnight, but the, the principle there is really, really smart because it works. It's about removing the friction. Don't overqualify things. Make your knowledge transfer from you to the customer to empower them on the kind of decision they need to be making as easy as possible. Provide examples of what it's like to be working with you um, and just make it as easy as possible for them to you know, learn what they need to learn, understand that they are looking for certain things. They have you know, certain criteria as decision makers to uh, you know, have to satisfy. And once they've got that, once you know, they know what they need to know, then the decision to buy or the, the, you know, completing that step in order to move ahead, to commit to something 
really needs to be as easy as possible. So often it's about getting out of your own way, making the story make sense from start to finish, and removing the friction, removing the touch points that either don't need to be there, or perhaps scaling them back or postponing them until later in the journey so that there isn't any friction up front. Because people are always going to be self-selecting. They're always going to be qualifying themselves in and out of a smart buyer journey. Um, you don't need to place any more restrictions or barriers in that journey anywhere. So make it easy. Make it as easy as possible for them. So the fourth step is something I'm really passionate about um, when it comes to getting your story right, getting your positioning right, and uh, exciting your audiences, is never, ever sell. So <laughs> maybe some of you might, might be thinking, well, you know, that's, that's insane. How can I not sell? I'm here to sell. I'm here to provide a product and, you know, to turn uh, a user or an audience member, someone in my market, into a customer. And selling is part of that. Selling is the most important part of that. So there's a difference between selling something and getting somebody to commit to working with you versus selling to them as that being part of the entire communication process that you have with them. Selling should not be part of how you build a relationship. So building long-term relationships, no matter if you're selling products right off a page, if you're uh, working in, in an environment where you have long, complex product cycles and you might be speaking to customers for six months before they sign on the dotted line, doesn't matter what the spectrum or where you lie on the spectrum. The real point here is that in order to build that relationship where you have an excited, engaged customer base, where they feel loyal to you and your product, they're an absolute believer in the value that you provide, you have to move from being a seller or somebody who is leading with selling, to you have to move from that position to, to being a problem solver, right? So you're there to diagnose, to assist, to help, because you are in a position where you've worked with others like them before. They are convinced of the value you've provided. Perhaps there's specific expertise or certain bits of experience that you bring to the table. And so really, you're there when you're speaking to them face-to-face, -face, whether that's visually, uh, virtually, sorry, or in person, no matter what it is, you're there to solve a problem. You're not there to sell a product. And so I always tell uh, the people that uh, join my masterclasses or the workshops, I always say, you know, don't ever sort of sell or push. I think it's a really bad sort of uh, habit that um, a lot of us have picked up specifically from the tactics of yesteryear where, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of pushing for the sale, those old school kind of, you know, insurance or vacuum cleaner salesman tactics, you know, where you're, you're, you're kind of asking for the sale or, you know, you're jumping in and asking them these rhetorical questions. Or um, I remember uh, somebody telling me that uh, one of the tactics that was used in, in that kind of environment is called an assumptive tie-down. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not so well versed in the, in the world of uh, BDSM, but unless you're really into that kind of thing, an assumptive tie-down does not sound like something that I would want to use on <laughs> or with my customers. That's not the way that I build relationships. So if you're not selling or pushing or asking those sort of, you know, rhetorical questions and really pushing the, the, the conversation in a direction that's quite obviously uh, you know, towards a sale, 
you're really missing the best parts of relationship building there, which is being able to show empathy, which is really about also just asking good questions. Because all of that provides you with the opportunity to build trust, to be able to showcase valuable, which is value, which is so much more valuable than simply saying, well, have I got the solution for you? So you might be getting somebody to sign on the dotted line or perhaps swipe their credit card and buy from you, but you're not getting to know them. You're not getting to understand or unpack their challenges insofar as it affects their world. And that is where trust is one. That is where credibility is shown. That is where you get the chance to diagnose things as they are and how you're able to then not only provide the clients or your customer or your audience with a sense of, you know, your expertise and being able to ask smart, intelligent, uh, you know, empathetic questions, but also it gives you the chance to interrogate your own position and your own product that you might otherwise, you know, not have done. So there's so much value in not leading in with selling. Don't sell, don't jump in and kind of, you know, just, just jump into sales mode. It's really about how can we, you know, determine whether this is going to be a client who, who you know, I can, you know, I can make a difference in their world. I can build a relationship here based on good questions, on trying to solve a problem that really is being felt. And how can I show a little bit of empathy along that way so that I'm not pushing a solution, I'm not pushing a product, but rather I'm there to advise. I'm there to rather present a solution after I've diagnosed what that need is rather than the other way around. So make sure you add a little bit of these things or at least approach the way you build your story with this in mind. You're not there to sort of pitch a product, but you're there to make a difference in the lives of your audience. That's a really, really big one. That's always one that I, that I, that I lead in with primarily because it's quite difficult it's it's quite difficult not to sell, right? And I'm not saying don't sell. And there's definitely a point where, you know, you, you, you're going to need to sort of make it fairly clear that, well, you do have a solution that might help somebody with this particular problem. And that's fine. It's about doing that at a stage where it's either too early or sort of not qualified yet. You haven't, you know, been able to ask the important questions and build that sense of rapport before you start talking talking turkey, right? So don't jump in with a sale too early. Rather focus on problem solving, rather focus on good questions and showcase your abilities as an advisor, as a problem solver. You will get so much more mileage if you take that approach. So we've been speaking about the seven steps to get your story right. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's something that I spend a lot of time working on with companies in uh, technology blockchain, in energy, a couple other sectors I've worked in over the last 10 years. And these are, you know, things that I've, that I've picked up to, to, and researched, <laughs> spent a lot of time researching, um, that seem to really make a difference in the lives of audiences and customers when you get these steps right, when you, when you are able to transform your story from what would otherwise be some bland mission statement or perhaps something that comes off as sort of trite or something that's not linked to a real-world cause or something that's difficult to get um, potential audiences, uh, you know, really excited about, to a story or positioning that is compelling, that's simple, that isn't on the nose, that doesn't ask for the sale, that makes sense because it applies to their challenges, 
um, and speaks to them. Um, so we've done the first four, which is keep it short, showcase social value, make it easy, don't sell. And we get to step number five now, um, which is to start with subtraction. So this is sort of uh, in keeping with some of the previous steps here, where you're keeping it short, you're keeping it kind of you know on on point, you're making it easy to understand. Um, but when I say subtraction, you know, there's that wonderful quote from uh, Ernest Hemingway, which um, you know, which which was something along the lines of, uh, um, you know, write drunk, edit sober. So I'm not saying that uh, you've got to go out with the boys and, uh, you know, smash some scotch just before you start writing your new positioning. But, you know, if you're going to get your story out and you need to realign it or, or you know, re rethink what you do, try and approach it from the point of view of, you know, eliminating as much of the fluffiness or jargon or buzzwords or technicality as possible. Try and take as much of that away. Because as much as you might think, all of those features and all of those things that are part of what you do, perhaps the, you know, all of the extra accompaniments to, um, you know, your company or your product, they're not the ultimate value. Chances are that most of the time the value you provide is something that's actually quite simple and doesn't require an additional bit of jargon or extra sort of, you know, talk about big data or technical detail. You don't have to get into that level of detail, at least not in the foundational positioning of your company. You don't, it's, it's, it's not required at that stage. And so often there's this, there's this kind of um, back and forth, if you like, between, um, you know, different departments in a business against the marketing team, because the marketing, you know, team will often carry a little bit of a, a stigma um, around being fluffy and, um, you know, kind of embellishing words and adding um, certain bits of information or perhaps trying to dress up a product or a solution or their positioning to the point where it's too fluffy, it's too kind of, you know, um, bloated. But really, I think this is a problem across the, you know, across most businesses where there's too much talk about all of the jargon and the buzzwords because they think that, well, if it's a feature and it you know, has something to do prim- you know, specifically with technology, then all of those buzzwords and all of those jargon, it's, it's not fluff. That's just what the product is made of and therefore it needs to stay. That is not true. That needs to, <laughs> if you're thinking that, I really encourage you to, to kind of, you know, interrogate your thoughts there because that is fluff. It might be interesting fluff. It might be complicated fluff, um, but at the same time, it's fluff. And it's additional information which is not going to really matter one jot to the life of your customer who is really trying to solve a real-world challenge in their world. And if they're having to kind of go through paragraphs and paragraphs about, you know, awards that you've won or, you know, how you are ISO 5001 um, you know, uh, so, uh, accredited, or you've got you know these sorts of uh, data lakes involved, and blah 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 blah. That's just fluff, right? So try and start with as little of that as possible when you're interrogating or repositioning your story and how you do it. Don't get technical. Don't get technical too soon. Rather, just focus on the value. Keep it short. Make it easy. Start with subtracting as much as you can. So that's number five. Number six is about consistency. 
So once you've been able to kind of think a a little bit more about what should go into your story and your positioning and how you get that positioning right, a big part of now distributing that story, if you like, is about deciding on a kind of a format and a rhythm of your content. And this takes a little bit of time um, to think about. And it's something that um, I speak to a lot of clients uh, about when it when it comes to how to simplify their story, how to get a brand new piece of positioning out. I have a, a workshop called Simplify Your Story Workshop. Check that out on my website, alexil.com, if you'd like more information. And uh, a big part of what we focus on there is Great, you've got the, the the sort of the foundational pieces of the story, of the positioning. Um, now, where is that going to sit? Where will that be? And how are you going to distribute that? If you think about, you know, old distribution models, they need to be out there where people can see them. There needs to be a good sense of visibility about your story so that people can, you know, get used to seeing it and ultimately enroll themselves through their own interest. But how do you do that? So a first sort of step on this is to understand, well, what is going to be the format of this content? Am I going to be writing a series of articles? Am I going to be distributing my new story through um, a video, perhaps, uh, or a series of videos? Am I going to do it through a podcast format? Do I want to rewrite all of the copy on my website? Do I want to invest in some thought leadership or perhaps some paid advertorials? Do I want to jump straight onto social media and perhaps host a few AMAs? There's various different ways to, to, to look at how to do this, and all of them have value, and all of them have, I would say, certain advantages over others, especially when it comes to you know, what kind of industry you work in and where your audiences are. You've got to be able to find the kinds of channels and formats that are going to be um, appealing to your audience rather than only appealing to yourself. Even though, of course, you've got to you know, think about the kind of content format, whether it's a video or writing or podcast or anything like that, that's going to, you know, be be most suited to you, where you are going to be, you know, feeling comfortable and authentic. So think about what that format is. And once you've got that format down or you're happy with a couple different outputs of what that story needs to be, the most important thing now is to then decide on what that rhythm is going to be. How consistent are you going to be when it comes to telling that story, disseminating it to your audience? Are you going to be able to also align your team? Perhaps there's a couple different champions or ambassadors, if you like, within uh, your organization or perhaps other people you work with. And they are going to need to not only understand the story and internalize it themselves, but if you are in a position where you're relying on them to also get get the story out for you to customers, then that consistency is not only about rhythm and how often you do it, but the consistency in sometimes down to the phrases, down to the same words that you use, down to the the level of uh, characterizing certain things in your world. Maybe you characterize um, you know how you work with customers in a certain way. Maybe there's a turn of phrase you use when it comes to talking to audiences about their challenges. That is all around consistency. So consistency is something that is not only about once a week or twice a day or three times a month or whatever that rhythm is. That's part of it and that's really important and you shouldn't start something until you're, you're happy to commit to 
uh, you know, a regular consistency, but it's also consistency in content. And if you have other people who are responsible for carrying your story, for distributing it, you need to get them aligned, um, you know, often at a quite granular level about where that story should be positioned, especially if you work in a complex environment, especially if there's a lot going on, there's some technicality involved in explaining what you do and the value you provide. It's really important to sit down and align everybody on exactly how you can position that correctly. And consistency also requires you to stay regular, right? Stay regular over time. So have that rhythm, have that format thought out about align your team And realize also that audience building, especially in this day and age, is something that takes time. It's something that requires visibility over a long stretch of time in order for customers to not only, uh, you know, get vaguely interested in what you do, but for them to start committing to the different levels of that journey. Okay, I'm interested. Let's sign up for a webinar. Okay, I've seen a lot of these guys' posts this sounds like a cool story. This sounds like an interesting company. I'd like to learn more. Let's sign up for that mailing list. That takes time. And because it takes time, it's going to need regular visibility, regular consistency. So we are now at the final step here, which is uh, number seven. And pretty much it's it's kind of, <laughs> in order to get your story right, number seven is... Um, uh, really a, a way of kind of thinking about all of these steps preceding it, but it forces you to now take a macro view on what you're doing and where you sit. So number seven is position, position, position. And don't worry if you've missed all of some of these or uh, just joined us now, make sure that uh, you head over to alexhill.com to, 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 to get the free download on uh, the seven steps to get your story right. We're on the last one now, which is number seven, position, position, position. So this refers to where you sit in your audience's world. Now, if you can imagine yourself amongst a list of competitors, perhaps there's various different companies, organizations that do somewhat similar things, even if it might not be the only thing. And this applies to you, if, especially if you also work in a in a niche environment. Perhaps there's less competitors, but you know there's there's a different kind of landscape on how how solutions are mapped out there. You've got to be able to articulate what the world of your customer looks like with and without you in it. So I want to say that again because this is such a crucial kind of point in being able to wrap all of the other things that we've talked about into something that feels solid and consistent and relevant. In order to capture the imagination of your audience, you need to be able to get a snapshot or capture what the world looks like for them with and without you in it. So what do I mean by that? In order for you to really paint a picture of the value you provide and also get your client or your audience to understand Firstly, if they have certain challenges, and then for them to realize the implication of some of those challenges, if they continue to go unresolved, if something or somebody like you did not exist in their world, what would happen? If you were in an accounting firm and uh, you know you were speaking to, let's just say, individuals who, who need to get all of their financial considerations in order, how would you be able to paint a picture of the world that they're in without somebody like you, without the value that you provide? Well, it's possible that you know they would be on their way to financial ruin, their books wouldn't be 
you know, correctly uh, sort of uh, balanced. They would be in a position where they might, you know, be missing certain important tax or income tax reporting deadlines and so on and so on. So you've got to be able to just, you know, that might be a silly example, but <laughs> the point is, is, is really about just even at a simple level, paint that picture. What does it look like if we didn't provide value for you? What, what would that look like? By contrast, then I want you to think about, well, if that's true, now what does that, what does that same picture, that same customer environment look like if there was a world where you do exist in it? And luckily, you do exist. <laughs> so you're able to, to kind of you know, really make them feel that value that you provide now that you've contrasted those two worlds, what, what their world looks like without a challenge um, you know, being solved that they have, and what it looks like when somebody likes you are uh, like you is able to come in and remedy those challenges, and what kind of a difference it makes to them, not to you, to them. It's all about them. That's what positioning is all about. That's what all of the story, you know, getting your story right, getting your positioning is is all about. It's about how they are positioned in their world, and what kind of a difference you're able to make from that relative position. Sometimes this requires you to get quite specific with, you know, exactly what you do and some of the features and some of the, the USPs, if you like. This is the time then to, to go into detail about those differentiators. Uh, you may have, you know, left it out earlier on when we were talking about keeping it easy, removing the friction. But sometimes, and especially a little bit later on in the positioning, in the story that you create, it's then worth going into maybe some detail about those specific features, and really then still talking about the benefits of, you know, how are how are your the lives of your audiences, you know, being enhanced? How are their challenges being eased away by working with you and some of the specific pieces of value that you bring to the table? So that was a long list. <laughs> so we're going to quickly go through the seven steps again. Um, so number one, in order to get your story right, number one. Is keeping it short. Number two, using social value. Number three, make it easy, remove friction. Number four, don't sell. Don't come in too soon um, with just a selling mindset. Rather ask questions, rather aim to solve problems. Number six, consistency starts at home. Be consistent in your format and your rhythm and your alignment of other people who might be responsible for also telling your story. And number seven, Pay attention to the positioning that you occupy in your client's world and be, be, be aware or, or, or try and build up a, a competency. It's not always easy, which is why it requires a bit of practice and a bit of thinking, but try and build up the ability to be able to describe the world of your client or your audience with and without you and the difference you make in it. So those are the seven steps to getting your story right. I hope that that was useful. If you'd like to learn more, head over to alexhill.com or perhaps uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to connect and shoot the breeze. But uh, I'd love to hear from you if you have any more to say on the matter, or perhaps if you've got experience in uh, getting some of these steps right. I hope that it's worked for you. I hope that today was was useful. Really enjoy uh, having you jump on the humble pie and listen to to me go off for a couple minutes. And uh, we'll speak again soon. Take care of yourself. 